and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of the people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphims flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken from, with palms from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away. And your sin is atoned for. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am, send me. <laughs> and he said, Go and cater to this people. And then he said, me. So here we have Isaiah seeing the throne roof of God, right? He goes into a little detail and then he saw these. These creatures he calls seraphim, other places are called cherubim, and uh, he describes them a little bit. But he basically shares with us his reaction as a reaction of John. Remember, in the first chapter of Revelation, he was in the presence of the Lord, he hid his face, and he went down like unconscious. Okay, knocked him and uh, the Lord touched him on the shoulder, remember, in chapter one, and he said, Get up, I've got something to talk to you about. And here, as Isaiah is feeling the same thing that all of us would feel in the presence of the Holy God, and that is our impurity and our own guilt and our own unworthiness, as Isaiah goes through that, notice one of the seraphim or the cherubim flew over, grabbed a burning coal off the altar, and touches this and says, Don't worry, you are forgiven. Okay. Are you happy you're forgiven? Are you happy your sins are forgiven? I should Absolutely. So that's Isaiah's little vision of that. Let's go to uh, Ezekiel chapter 1, if you would. Ezekiel, just a couple books over here. Ezekiel chapter 1. Now he gets a little specific here. <laughs> As far as the time and dates. And I love that because it, uh, it means that he wrote Ezekiel chapter 1. We're going to start in verse, uh, we're going to skip that. That's uh, telling him when it happened, the first four, four, three verses. Let's start in verse 4. And this is quite an in depth vision. It's going to really, really be a lot like the one we get to in Revelation. So. So follow along, and then we'll see a little bit of difference, but that's because different guys are looking at it. But it's a pretty amazing parallel here. As I looked, verse 4 of chapter 1, As I looked, behold, a stormy wind came out of the north, and a great cloud with brightness around me, and fire flashing forth continually. In the midst of the fire, as it were gleaming metal, and from the midst of it came the likeness of four living creatures, and this was their appearance. They had a human likeness, but each had four faces, and each of them had four wings. Their legs were straight, and the soles of their feet were like the sole of a calf's foot, and they sparkled like burnished bronze. Under their wings, on their four sides, they had human hands. And the four had their faces and their wings thus. Their wings touched one another. Each of them went straight forward, without turning as they went. As for the likeness of their faces, each had a human face. And the four had the face of a lion on the right side, the four had the face of an ox on the left side, and the four had the face of an eagle. Such were their faces, and their wings were spread out above. Each creature had two wings, each of which touched the other, the wing of, of another, while the two covered their bodies. And each went straight forward. Wherever they, the spirit would go, they went without turning as they went. As for the likeness of the living creatures, their appearance was like burning coals of fire, like the appearance of torches moving to and fro among the living creatures. And the fire was bright, and out of the fire went forth lightning, and the living creatures darted to and fro, like the appearance of a flash of lightning. Now as I looked at the 
living creatures. I saw a wheel on the earth beside the living creatures, one for each of the four of them. As for the appearance of the wheels and their construction, their appearance was like the gleaming of beryl, which is a bright blue in color. And the four had the same likeness, their appearance and construction being, as it were, a wheel within a wheel. When they went, they went in any of their four directions, without turning as they went. Kind of reminds me of a helicopter. I'm not saying it is. I'm just saying that's the way a helicopter moves, isn't it? It just goes anywhere it wants, up, down, sideways, and two wheels. That's kind of interesting, isn't it? And uh, their rims were tall and awesome, and the rims of all four were full of eyes all around. Verse 19. And when the living creatures went, the wheels went beside them. And when the living creatures rose from the earth, the wheels rose. When the spirit wanted furthest, whenever, wherever the spirit wanted to go, they went. And the wheels rose along with them, for the spirit of the living creatures was in. And when they went, these went. And when they stood, they, these stood. And when they rose from the earth, the wheels rose along with them. For the spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels. And the heads of the living creatures there was like the likeness of an expanse, shining like awe-inspiring crystal, spread out above their heads. And under the expanse of their wings were stretched and straight one toward another. And each creature had two wings covering its body. And when they went, I heard the sound of their wings, like the sound of many waters. The sound of the Almighty, the sound of Tomo, like the sound of Army. Alright, that's, <clears throat> I'm not going to go into all that description, but I want to remind you as we head towards uh, Paul's vision of this and the book of Revelation, what I ended with last week, and that is that we need to remember when these people are taken into heaven, and it's very rare, okay, we have these four examples, basically, maybe one or two more in Scripture, um, of going into heaven. Heaven exists in a different realm, okay? There's no time. Uh, everything is different. We talked about how we are so limited in our senses, aren't we? We can't see all the spectrum of light. We can't hear the entire spectrum of sound, okay? We can't. We just are not able. Our eyes are not that adept to do it. When we, when we get to heaven, we're going to see colors you've never imagined. There's going to be light intensity you've never imagined. There's going to be sounds that we've never imagined. There are a lot of things there that are very difficult to describe with our words. We are limited with our words. And God knew that. And God showed these people and he said, write down what you've seen in your, in your, in your words where people can understand because you've got to use the language in your ears. So, many times in Revelation, we're going to see that it looked like where it appeared as. And we've got to remember that. That's exactly what Ezekiel saw here. It looked as two wheels. It wasn't two wheels. It just looked like that. That's the only way you can describe it, okay? It wasn't two wheels on a tractor. No, it was something magnificent that he was trying to describe. Does that make sense? So, remember that as we get into these latter chapters of Revelation. There's a lot of look as or look like because they're just there's no language for it. And to show you how that worked for a friend of ours that we're studying on Monday nights, go to Second Corinthians chapter twelve, if you would. Second Corinthians chapter twelve. A lot of scripture here to get ready for our own scripture. <laughs> Second Corinthians twelve Verses 1 to 4. Second Corinthians, chapter 12, <coughs> verses 1 to 4. I said there was going to wait for the rest of us. <laughs> I love the rest of the Chapter 12, verse 1. I must go on boasting, though there is nothing to be gained by it. I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in his 
speaking about himself here. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Now the third heaven, we're talking about three heavens, okay? In the scripture it talks about the heaven which is the atmosphere of the earth. That's the first heaven. That's the heaven that we fly through on jets, okay, in airplanes. There's the second heaven which is the expanse of space where all the planets and the, and the solar systems are. And then there is the third heaven which is where heaven is, okay? We don't know where that is because we can't see it because it's in a different dimension than we can see at this time. So, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know, he says. I don't know how it happens. I can't describe it to you. God knows, he says. God knows. And I know this, this man was caught up into paradise. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And this man, who was called, heard things that cannot be told, which no which man may not utter. He didn't have any words. And Paul was a pretty educated guy. He had a pretty big vocabulary. But he did not even attempt to describe it, did he? I don't, he said, I don't even have words to tell you what I saw. I, I can't do it. So he did not attempt. I wonder if his mind was so logical that he didn't want to come up with, well, it was like, you know, like sapphire, it was like this, or it was like perfect bronze. Paul said, if I can't tell you what it was, I'm not telling you. <laughs> okay? I like to think Paul thought that. I don't know that. But uh, that would go along with Paul. He wanted to be pretty exact in what he said. Every time we hear him preach in Scripture. So, those are three guys that have had the same look into heaven, into the throne room. Let's go to chapter 4 of Revelation. Chapter 4 of the for Revelation. And let's uh, read these 11 verses. After this, I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place. At once I was in the spirit, and behold, a throne stood in heaven, with one seated on the throne. And he who sat there had the appearance of jasper and chameleon. And around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. Around the throne were twenty-four thrones, and seated on the thrones were twenty-four elders, clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. And before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. And behold the throne, and before the throne there was, as it were, a sea of glass like crystal. And around the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind. The first living creature, like a lion. The second living creature, like an ox. The third living creature, with the face of a man. And the fourth living creature, like an eagle in flight. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within. And day and night, they never cease to stay. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the twenty-four elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. And they cast their crowns before the throne, casting crowns in their death before the throne, saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. Wow. What a picture there that he does his best 
to describe for us. He gives it his best effort. Let's go back and look at uh, verse 1 here. After this, after what? After, after the seven churches, that's right, after the seven letters. After going through all of that and writing down all those things that the Lord told him to write down to those seven churches, it says right after that, so chronologically here, right after that, I looked, and behold, a door did it say it opened in heaven, or it was open? Open. Standing open. Okay. Is God's invitation to sinners ever closed? You'll hear people say, well, you don't know what I've done. You don't know how bad I am. And I tell them it doesn't matter. His mercy is sufficient. His arms are always open. He is always open to our call. Now, just as I see it, we notice that he has to knock on the door, doesn't he? A very famous verse. Stand at the door and knock. Right? You know that verse. That verse is because the door of the church was closed. That door was locked up tight. And he could not get in the church. They didn't want him in the church. So, churches or individuals can close their doors, can't they? Yeah, you can close the door to Jesus. They get out of here, we don't want to do it. But the door to heaven is always open okay, for us. Now, one day it will close. Okay, we'll get to that in this book. But for right now, and for all of history, till it absolutely does close, it is open. There's always, always a hope. There's always a witness. No matter what happens in the next few chapters of Revelation, don't forget that. As ugly as it gets, there's always a witness. And folks, no matter how ugly this next year is in this country of ours, you and I can be a witness. Okay? We can. We don't need to get off uh, in all the politics and all that. We can go to the Lord and we can have, ask the Lord to use us to be a voice of love, a voice of encouragement, a voice of leading people to peace and hope. We can do that. So, here's the door standing open in heaven. And he hears again the same voice he heard before in chapter 1, like a trumpet. Was it a trumpet? No. No, it wasn't a trumpet. It was just loud. <laughs> okay. And that's the loudest thing he knew, was to call it a trumpet. And so, it was very loud. And it was a voice that spoke to him and said, Hey, come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. You think he went? Yeah. Yeah, God tells you to come up here, you get up there. <laughs> right? That's not something you disobey, okay? It just it doesn't work. So uh, he said, Hey, come on up here, and I will tell you what's going to take place after this. So at once, I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne. Stood in heaven. Wow. A throne. A throne. Now, Jesus is the one that says, Come, right? We learned that in chapter 1. Jesus is the one with that voice, like a trumpet. And how did Jesus get there? Well, you can go back and look at numerous scriptures if you're taking notes. Um, in Acts 1, verses 10 and 11, Acts 3, verse 21. Acts 7, 55 and 56, Romans 10, verse 6, Romans 10, 6, Colossians 3, 1, 1 Thessalonians 4, 16, lots and lots of different scriptures you can go to, look in your, look in the sidebar of your Bible, if you have a study Bible at all, and it'll take you to a lot of those places where you can learn that yes, Jesus after he was resurrected, he went to heaven to sit down at the right hand of the Father to defend us before the Father, right? To be our, what we call it, our advocate before the Father. And John 14 also tells us that he was going there to what? Prepare a, a place for us, that where I go, you may be also. So he's also.
also doing that. Now he says, I will show you what must take place after this. I will show you. Remember we talked about this is a different dimension. This is very a very different reality here. Okay, We're going to have expanded sounds, expanded sights, expanded smells. Every sense would be off the charts. So he's going to do his best. Just remember that. Don't take all these things literally because he didn't know any other way to describe it. Okay? It would be like someone who's never seen, I'll use it again, a helicopter. If you've never seen a helicopter, after you were on the cell phone with somebody, how would you describe a helicopter? I mean, if you've never seen one, it's an amazing thing. Can't believe how big a piece of steel could fly just with two little long white blades on it. I mean, you couldn't, you couldn't describe it in a normal way, could you? like we can, because we've been around them. But that's, that's, it's just a whole different realm. We have to remember that. Okay? This is why they use light as our words just don't work to describe it. But here, John and Ezekiel and Isaiah, and Paul wouldn't even try, but Ezekiel and Isaiah do their best. Uh, so when it seems that they saw different creatures or different angels or whatever, just remember, it is their way of telling us in the best way they can. And people describe the same thing in different words, don't we? We describe it in different words, don't we? we Somebody could run through here, and half of us would think they're wearing a blue shirt, and half would think they're wearing a red shirt, right? We observe things differently. So don't let that trip you up, because Isaiah, Ezekiel is not going to match up exactly to what John saw here. And so just remember that. This is their own words. Even though God gave them the vision, okay, they have their own input in the way they try to describe it. Uh, one more thing about come up here. If you are really into prophecy, you've probably been involved in the debate of pre-trib, mid-trib, and post-trib rapture. And uh, if you're into that, let me just say that this come up here, I don't believe, is a reference to the fact that we're, everybody's going to go up there just like John did okay, at that time. No. It, but it does, it is interesting that after this point in Revelation, starting in chapter 4, the church, okay, the family of believers, is never mentioned again in the last chapters of 4 to 22. So, many, many people believe, as do I, you can decide for yourself, but uh, many people believe, as do I, that the church, quote unquote, that's all the believers who follow Jesus, that the church is in heaven by the time we get into chapter 6. Thus, I vote for a pre-trib revelation rapture, pre pre-trib tribulation, <laughs> a pre-tribulation rapture, let me say that properly, or uh, the taking out of all the believers on earth, first the dead of Christ, right, and the dead in Christ will rise, and then those of us who are who remain will be caught up. Um, all transformed and given our new bodies to be with Jesus forever and ever. So that's just a little side note there as you get into this because different commentators, different people you might be listening to are going to have different views there. I just want you to know where I'm coming from. So, verse 2, the throne. Look at the throne. Wow. Nearly 40 times it talks about the throne in heaven in this book of Revelation. Thirteen times, just in these eleven verses, the throne. The throne. Now the throne here is not in a palace, as we consider thrones to be. Okay, this isn't in King's palace. This is in a temple. And we'll get to the fact later in the book that this temple is really just God himself. Okay? Just as you are called the temple of the Holy Spirit, once the Holy Spirit is living. So God is in the temple, but he sees a temple here, uh, and, and in that temple is a palace. Now I know that because look at chapter 7, verse 15 of the book of Revelation, and in verse 15 of chapter 7 it says, Therefore they are before the throne of God, and serve him day and night, 
in his temple. That's right. Yep. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his throne. So it's in a temple uh, that he sees it here, not in a palace. Just to clarify. Now, let's keep going. One was seated on the throne. He doesn't say that this is God the Father, does it? But it is assumed because as he continues to describe him, that's all that's the only one it can be. He who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Chameleon. Now Jasper is a clear uh, most a lot of translations call that diamond. Okay. It can be translated. Yeah. And Sardis is, is bright red. Okay, those are the two colors that he seems to see here. Carmelian, mine says Carmelian, some may say Sardis. These are stones that were available in their vocabulary at the time, and so that's what they used. Um, we might say diamond and ruby, just as an example. Okay. We're coming out of the throne. So, you know, if you've ever seen a big diamond, I've never seen one because I can't even afford to look at one. But the great big diamonds, when you put them in a bright light in those lights in those stores, man, living, you see all kinds of spectrums of light, don't you? They just reflect incredible. At least what we can think. Yeah, what we can see. And here, there's even more of them. So that's the way he's trying to describe it. And around the throne was a rainbow. And is this a rainbow like our rainbow? No, it's a rainbow that is green. He thinks it's a green rainbow. But the rainbow, and you can go through all of this and, and attribute different things to it, right? People can say that the rainbow probably means that there's, you know, he's not going to destroy the world and he's faithful. And there's all kinds of things like that. And you will find as we go through this, once in a while I'll allude to those. But I stay away from those for the most part. You can get that. You can go on and, and study guys that want to really get into this. They can make it sound like anything. I just don't go there because I don't know. He doesn't tell us. Okay, he said it looked green and it looked like a rainbow. And you'll find people that will say that was a you know robe around there enveloping them full of grace and you know I don't know that. They don't know that. So we just say, I'm gonna basically just read what it says and, and do my best to get through this and understand what he's telling us and not throw all these other things in. So if I ever get off on a rant like that, shut me down, okay? I really don't want to go there. Just try to keep me online if you would. Alright. <clears throat> okay. Verse four. There we are, verse four. Around the throne were twenty-four thrones, and seated on the throne were twenty-four elders. Clothed in white garments, we just sang about that today, it's called the robe of righteousness that we have, with golden crowns on their heads. Now, who are these guys? Well, like I said, you can <clears throat> listen to commentators and people, they will tell you they're all kinds of people. Some will say, well, they're the 12 apostles and the 12 patriarchs. Some will say they're uh, representations of the 24 divisions of Jews that were set up in the temple. So they were different priests. No, all those different things. Some will say they're angels. And I don't go along with any of that. What makes most sense to me, and you can develop this on your own, I'm not telling you, I just make sense to me that these represent, by the way, others, these 24 others are mentioned 24 times in the book of Revelation. So they're brought up a lot. We're going to hear about them a lot. To me, they represent all the believers through time. We are told that when we are accepted by Jesus that he gives us a white robe of righteousness, right? That covers us, covers our sins, so God can bless us. And we were told many times, even in these letters we've just gone through, that those that overcome will be given a crown of righteousness, right? That's a crown of victory. This crown is what it is in the original language. It's not a crown of royalty, it's a crown of victory. Is something you would win, like a trophy, okay, for overcoming, for making it through, for sticking to it, for having the, the fortitude and the long suffering to get through this life uh, and still remain true. 
to the Lord. So, <clears throat> golden crowns is a victory crown. Okay? Uh, even in the churches it says that, back in 2.10, back in 3 uh, and 2.26, back in 3, chapter 12, chapter 3, verse 12, it talks about that as it, in, the, in the end of the letters to the churches, uh, you will receive a crown of victory. Okay? Um, so, to me, they are just representations. They are, uh, notice their job is over. So if you go along with my pre-trib thought, they are already in heaven, and they are representing all the believers that are in heaven. And so uh, 24 seems to represent a larger number of to me, a very large number. So nobody really knows, but there is an apparent sharing of some of the authority, right? If they are ascending on thrones, there is some of that going on. Remember, John told us about that in uh, John chapter 3, verse 21. No, yeah, John chapter 3, verse 21. He says, uh, or is it in Revelation 2? Where did I write? Oh, yeah, 321 in Revelation, not in the book of John, but in Revelation. 321, he says, The one who conquers, I will grant to him to sit with me on my throne, as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. So they're sitting on the throne as promised here, okay? If you overcome, uh, they will be sitting on the throne. Now, I don't know how all that works. I don't ask me because I don't know. No one knows. All we know is that here in John's vision, there is a representation of those who have been allowed to sit on thrones, and there's 24 of them, okay? Now, verse 5. Verse 5. From the throne came flashes of lightning, and rumblings, and peals of thunder. And before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. Now this is like the warming up of God's spirit. If you've ever run a big diesel motor, you know, that before you start using that caterpillar or that excavator, you need to warm it up, right? You need to get it started to let it warm enough. Well, this is God's warm-up for what's going to happen in chapter 6 through 22, actually 6 through 19, uh, when the wrath and the fury are carried out on the earth. Okay? It's going to happen soon. Uh, for example, in uh, Revelation 8, 5, or Revelation uh, 11, 19, 16, 19, all those verses that we're going to get into uh, are the wrath and the fury of God to punish sin on earth. It's happen. Verse 6. Appeals of thunder and lightning. That's brought up other places too. Have you ever been really close to a strike of lightning? Yeah. And felt that power? That's amazing. When I was about 10 years old, my brother and my father and I walked into a peak called Northwest Peak which is right at the corner of Montana, Idaho, and Canada, right up in that corner. And we hiked up to this peak, and it's just a solid rock peak. And right down below the top of that was a little meadow, and it looked like a nice place to camp. So we camped there for the night. Well, little did we know that a thunderstorm was coming in that night. And about midnight, it hit. And for the next two or three hours, I can't remember how long, but it struck that top of that mountain numerous times. I can't even count how many times. And when it did, there was no difference, there was no time lapse <laughs> between the strike and the sound. It was just continual thunder. So loud we couldn't even talk in the tent. And it went on for a long time. And that was as close as I've ever come to what I think John saw. It was just like, wow, is this ever going to quit? I mean, 
was a good strike us. So what's going to happen? You know, it came to the point where I was like, this kid, I was a bit worried there a little bit. And uh, it was so powerful. shook the whole mountain. It just shook where we were sleeping, even in the tent. You could feel the ground shaking. And I just went, wow, what power there was. And uh, that's, to me, what he sees here. Peals of thunder and rumbling before the throne. And before that were the seven virtues of fire, which were the seven spirits of God. And we talked about that before in Isaiah 11. It goes through the seven attributes of the spirit. That's all that really means. However, here, instead of a comforting spirit, it is a spirit of fire. Right? So once again, the engine is getting warmed up. The engine of God's wrath. Before the throne, as it were, was a sea of glass, like crystal. A sea of glass, pure, clear crystal, or glass. Later in this book, as the new, the new Jerusalem comes down, it has streets of gold that are so pure that they are, that's right, transparent. Transparent gold. You can purify gold enough, it, it, it starts to be transparent. We just don't do that with gold, but God can do that. Alright, so that's what he sees. Doesn't mean it was crystal, doesn't mean it was glass. That's just what he was what his vocabulary had in his mind. And so that's what it looked like to him. An amazing scene. An amazing scene. Now, the second part of verse 6, around the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures. Four living creatures. Remember back in Ezekiel. Uh, let me just read to you real quick. If you go to Ezekiel 10, it tells us who these are. Ezekiel 10. We read Ezekiel uh, number verse of chapter 1 last night, but in Ezekiel chapter 10 and verse 15, he tells us who these seraphim or these cherubim are, or these creatures, I should say, oh, I just said that was a Who these creatures are, he tells us in Ezekiel 10, 15, where it says, and the cherubim mounted up. These were the living creatures that I saw by the Shabbat now. He's telling us straight up. These were those creatures. The living creatures were actually cherubim, or some versions of, of a, some translations call those seraphim. They are a special kind of angel. Okay? A special kind of angel. A beautiful angel. One of the higher levels of angels. There are different levels of angels. You remember back in, uh, when Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden, remember? God put cherubim there to guard the east gate to keep them from going back in and eating of the tree of life so they would uh, live in agony forever. You know, he didn't want to do that, so he wanted them to be able to die. And so they couldn't eat of the tree of life anymore. He protected it with cherubim. And you hear, you're going to hear about cherubim a lot as we go on in this book. Very special creatures. You know who else was a cherubim? Lucifer himself was a cherubim. Yes, he was. He was. And uh, back in Ezekiel, we're told about that in chapter 28, verses 11 to 17, if you ever want to read that and study that out. He was a cherubim. He was the most beautiful angel. And uh, he decided one day to turn on God. Instead, he wanted to be God. And that's when God kicked him out and threw him down to the dirt, where he has taken up residence and he is very active down here on the dirt. So we get on here around the throne. Okay. Now he describes here around the throne as uh, these four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind. Obviously, they are aware. What do angels do for God? They are his messengers, right? They do whatever he tells them to do. They are about to be ready to go. The first was like a lion. 
and you can say that means something to you. To me, it means a very powerful or a wild beast. Uh, the second creature, like an ox. The third, like the face of a man. And the fourth, like an eagle. And you can attribute to those whatever you well might please. I, I do not know exactly what they mean, so I'm not going to tell you. Uh, but that's what it looked like to him. And the four living creatures, each of them had six wings. Remember, like Isaiah told us? The, and the full eyes were all around and within. And day and night, they never ceased to say, What? Holy, 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 the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. We've heard that before, haven't we? That's called the eternal God. That means never created, never will cease existence. We are just here for a, a breath and compared to God Almighty and Yes. Yes. Just a drop in time. All right. Verse uh, 9, whenever living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him or are seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, what do the 24 elders do? We are going to pull down and worship. And what do we do? What do they do with their crowns? What are we going to do with our crowns? We're going to throw them before his feet. Why? Because we have no right to any kind of glory at all. When we're around that kind of holiness, all we're going to be able to do is give thanks and praise. That's what humility is, isn't it? That's what humility is. And if you're going to be a true believer in Christ, he'll be working on your humility. Some of you have experiences in that area where we start to think we're all that, and uh, no, we're not. No, or, or, yep. When we think we deserve something, <laughs> yeah, we uh, we need to remember who God is and who we are. And the reason that we have any success at all, or we have any thing happen right in our lives at all, is because of it giving it to us. You know, I have men who come up to me and say, I'm a self-made man, thank you very much, I've got a million dollars in the bank, I did that all myself. I said, oh really? You control your breath every time you take a breath? You keep your heart beating at night, do you? How do you do that? Well, who gave you the mind to be able to understand how to run your business? Who gave you that mind? Who gave you those, that brain? You just make that for yourself? You build GFF and grow your brain, did you? No, you didn't. No. God gives us all those things. So he's the one that deserves the glory. And then verse 11, which says it all right here. This is the praise that he deserves and he needs from us. And we can give him this kind of praise right now. And we should be. So when you want to know how to pray, or you want to know what to say to the Lord, you get started on the prayer. Right here is a good place. Right here in chapter 4, verse 11. It says, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things. And by your will, they existed and were created. That shoots evolution right there. Right there. Right gone. No, there is no way in the world that we can believe in evolution. I know people who take the six-day creation out of Scripture all the time and claim to be a believer in Jesus Christ. How can you say that he didn't create all things? When he did, and still claimed to believe in him. I don't understand that. They let that weave into their belief system. And when they do, they tend to let other things come into You will always find that to be true. If someone tells you they don't believe in the six day creation, go a little deeper and they'll come up with other things that they don't believe from this book either. Once you take one thing out of it, 
Yep, you can take more out of it and it's not a good rule. Where do you draw the line? Where do you draw the line? It's all or nothing. It's got to be. And so, this is a great place to go. That's right, for creation. Right here, he created all things. And boy, did what an amazing creation. Amazing creation. And we need to give him glory and honor and praise. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for these verses that just give us a glimpse of what heaven will be like. We get excited, Lord. We get excited to be there, to see all you have for us to see, to hear all you have for us to hear. We are so limited here. <laughs> we are so limited. And yet, by your grace, you gave us this glimpse. And we'll get another glimpse next week as we go on to chapter 5. And we are so thankful for that glimpse. For it gives us an amazing hope. It gives us something to look forward to in a way that we could never have any other way. Thank you for uh, showing this to John. Thank you for giving him the strength, even in his old age, to write it down so we can read it all these years later and come to the best understanding we can of what it will be like. Father, I pray you protect uh, these souls that are here from heresy from misleading messages as they study on their own these chapters. Oh, there are so many people that take these words and twist them for their own purposes. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would be strong and protect their mind, protect my mind as I still, so that we can come to the understanding that you would have for us, not some man's interpretation, but what you want for us. From your Holy Spirit. Father, I pray that you would keep me true to your word. Not let me take you taken on those little goat trips. And Father, I just pray that we would continue to learn more about heaven and about the place you have for us. Thank you that we have a place there to give repentance for us. We love you. And we praise your holy name. In Jesus' name we all pray. And all God's people say.